You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, By the time you're hearing this, a very important date will have passed. That's right. It was the birthday of the best host on this podcast, Stephen Lawrence. Happy birthday, man. Alex, what do I say? What's going on, guys? What's going on, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? What's Welcome going on? Another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. I'm Brant and I'm Matt, and I'm here with Alex. Brandon is out this week, and so the task. The intro of, is a struggle. Yeah, I know. I'm it's like a, sitting it's a here. Tough one. It, it, it's Brandon. Thank you for all the work that you do. Um, please don't edit out my jokes. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, we've got an exciting uh, episode for you. The Canes, the winners of two straight games with Anaheim and the New York Rangers being the two recent victories. We've obviously clinched a playoff spot since the last time we all got together. And we're getting down to the final stretch of the season. We've only got a handful of games left. Yeah, and hasn't the Hurricanes uh, demise been a little overstated? You you would think that that this team was in a free fall, you know, uh, based off the comments and stuff you see on on Twitter and Facebook and the the hellscape of social media. Um, it's almost a panic out there, man. But you know, uh, even when the eye test hasn't looked the best, this team is seven three and two in their last twelve games. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not sure what has caused such a panic recently like yes losing to a team like buffalo isn't actually isn't exactly ideal in the grand scheme but on the flip side of it we're not going to be facing buffalo in the playoffs and you're not going to win 82 games in a season right i mean you're you're not going to look your best every night and i think just the expectation level of modern day hurricanes fans has kind of gone beyond what we're used to you know i'm kind of still happy just being in the playoff mix you know never mind actually being one of the contenders and arguably one of the favorites um i i just think people go a little overboard lately alex let me know how i sound when i say this because i don't want to come across as like an ass but will people ever be truly happy about this team no 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 definitely not i've come absolutely not i feel like that's kind of the burden of being a sports fan in the social media age is like 
nowadays everybody with a bad opinion is just loud because they have a platform to air it out on rather than just screaming to themselves at home. Like, That's a good point. Like, folks, we all get that Martinuk doesn't belong on the top line. We all get that the goalies should make a save every once in a while. We all get that, you know, this isn't going right, or the Canes have had two games in a row where they've scored less than three. Like, whatever. I feel like a lot of people expect the Hurricanes to be a perfect team. And when I say perfect, I mean, like, 82 and 0, zero goals allowed. Don't even give up a shot. Perfect sometimes. I mean, that might be a very, you know, exaggerated statement. But then you look at what it, some it, people it are saying. It's, it almost, it's almost, it almost not. Isn't. Yeah. So, like, be happy about this team. Enjoy what we had because, like, look at Detroit, right? Yeah. Detroit was a consistent playoff team for over 20 years and now they're scraping the bottom of the barrel in the league they've got a lot of good talent but there was a lot of pain that they've had to endure to get to that point so this isn't gonna last forever you know eventually the canes are gonna be a team that misses the playoffs for about nine straight years I hope, hopefully not that long, but, but I mean, I'm just saying like, it's not going to last forever. I I mean, I'd love it to don't get me wrong. And if it does like awesome, but enjoy the team while it's good, while you can. And like, I hate starting the podcast off like this, but it's like, I feel like even when the team wins, people can't be happy. Yeah, no, you know what? And it needs to be said. That's why I've been kind of trying to pump the brakes on Twitter a little about you know, the Hurricanes is demise because you would think that with some of the reaction from this fan base lately that they're in danger of not even making the playoffs or something, you know? And you just look at our schedule over the last two weeks. They've beat the Capitals. They've beat the Rangers. They've beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is three teams that they could could realistically meet up with in the first round or anywhere on their journey to trying to get to the Stanley Cup where they want to be. Um, so, you know, you're beating the teams that you're directly competing with, you know, who cares? You have an off night against the Buffalo Sabres. It's not going to matter. And, you know, today it's not going to matter next week. It's not going to matter when the playoffs start. Um, it's just right now, the most important thing for this group is to get to the playoffs healthy and be ready to go when you get there. You know, whoever, whoever they face, they will be ready for. I heard an interesting um, opinion today. I listened to most of Kane's cast, or I'd say about half on my commute home today. And Mike was talking and saying like, the Canes don't play down to teams. Teams play up to the hurricanes. I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective. Like a lot of teams go into games with the hurricanes with something to prove, especially like the bad teams, you know? Yeah. Like Detroit didn't have a hope of making the playoffs this season, but they're like, anytime they're going to play a playoff team, they're going to want to try and beat them. Especially teams that are up at the top, like the Canes are. Well, look how much the the Hurricanes struggle against the Senators, right? Yeah. And that's the team they brought up is the Senators were the Canes like kryptonite this season. Yeah. It might be able to blame me for that. I don't know. Yeah. We always (laughs) do. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I think, 
you know, it's a, it's a good time for us right now because the present of the team is really good and there's really no end in sight yet, which is exciting. Most of the team's core is pretty young. They've got a ton of good, but not great prospects in the system. They've got a couple like ones that I think could be great, but like Peter Kochikov or Kochekov, but for now, I mean, the future of the team is in a really good place too. So, I mean, it's almost ridiculous when, you know, you get, you get this kind of reaction for a team that should and probably will surpass 50 wins. I mean, they just need two wins in their pot in their next eight games to hit that big 50. Um, You're already over a hundred points. You know, you're top three in the league in points and point percentage and whatnot. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of your great young players take that next step. You know, with Spechnikov, he's going to have his first 30-goal season. Um, and, you know, Ajo has become a full-fledged superstar in this league. And, you know, you've, you've, you've had a lot of good performances up and down your lineup. Um, it, it, it's it, it's pretty ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's uh, it, it's It's been overblown. And like I said, I've been, been trying to dial it back a little on Twitter and you know, a lot of people even still try and be negative through my positivity. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's a shitty place to be. I got to yeah. be honest. It's a shitty place to be. And like you hit the nail on the head. It's like, people are never going to be happy. Gonna, even if this team wins the cup, you know, they're going to find a way to complain. They allowed too many goals in the, in the postseason, or they didn't score enough or, or who knows what the narrative will be by then. But yeah. um, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect this team to win a cup this year. I think with the way they're constructed and with how good they've been, I think, you know, anything short of that will be disappointing, but it's not like this is it for the Canes. It's, you know, the Canes are going to be a very good hockey team for quite a while. So, and I'm not here to say that like, you know, credit, being critical of the team at times is bad and being negative is bad. I, I, I don't want people to, to think that. Um, what I'm saying is, you know, you don't need to constantly hold the players under a microscope and you can't expect perfection from this team because yeah. if you expect perfection, you're never going to be happy. And then someone goes, or someone's always going to say, well, I don't expect them to win every game. I just expect them to, you know, compete every game. And I'm like, they do yeah they literally they literally do it's like the the game against the like what's up what's been our most like painful loss in like this season in your opinion for this me season. Hmm. for me it's the the two uh, two nothing loss against the rangers at home maybe just because i went to that game but it was painful in the way that like we dominated that game we just couldn't solve the goalie yeah that mm. one's up there the columbus game might uh, where we got shut out and then LaFontaine had to come in, I think might have been up there. And then the Devils game. But even then, the Canes played all right in the Devils game. It's just their defense, Tony D'Angelo, was atrocious. Yeah, you know, for me, I I haven't really had a game this year that's really dejected me at all. You know, You know, in like the past seasons when the Hurricanes are like, at times when they've been right in the playoff mix and you have a game and you're and with, with said game, you're like, okay, if they can win this one, I'm finally going to start to believe. Yeah. And they would lay an egg. 
you know um i'm i'm thinking like 2018-19 season nino niederreiter's yeah. kane's debut he yeah. plays against the sens i think it was the sens i know it was a canadian team and i'm like 95 percent sure it was the senators and we just crapped the bed in that game yeah that's the one i'm thinking of that might be the canes like most devastating loss i guess since yeah there, there's there's been a lot of pinnacles of bad losses and i i just i haven't had a feeling of of anger or of panic or of worry or of, i just i haven't really had any negative feelings coming off any hurricanes as lost this year because i mean they, let's be they haven't lost too many games you know what i mean that they haven't lost many games and the games that they've lost, you can, you can say it's because they were just not the better team that night, or they were coming off, you know, a back to back with travel and stuff. And like, they, they haven't had any, any real losses for me where I was like, Oh boy, I think we should start to worry because of this loss. Yeah. I mean, maybe the, I mean, the, the type of person I am too is like, you know, I'm very much go with the flow. I don't panic very easily. Same here. But like, I haven't worried one bit this season just from watching this team play. I, I mean, I have my concerns in the playoffs because let's, let's be honest, you know, the other 15 teams that are making the playoffs are going to be just as hungry, you know? Yeah. There's no easy matchup, especially in the East this year. My God. Yeah. it's uh... If you're, if you're the last seed you're right now, I think you're either playing or if you're the top seed, you're playing Washington. I want to say there's a, there's a good chance that all eight playoff teams in the East will go over 100 points, which is pretty pretty ridiculous to think about. Yeah, the and that's why honestly, like, and this might be an unpopular opinion. That's why I don't know if Colorado's got a chance. Really? Because. Uh, See, one thing that I kind of worry about is this. Considering how much of a bloodbath, a bloodbath that the East is, I can see whichever team that kind of makes it through, they might have nothing left by the time they get to the cup final. You know, and you figure whoever makes it there, it's probably going to be Colorado or Calgary. I don't know if Calgary's a little overhyped. I haven't really watched them all that much. But whoever gets there from the West isn't going to have nearly the same route that whatever East team takes. And, um, you know, I, I just, I think that Colorado, because of how they're constructed, because of the pieces that they added, should they finally get through and finally, you know, get over that hump that they haven't been able to the past couple of years, you know, they, they have a lot to prove as well. Now, I think they'll be hungry, but if they can finally get over that hump, I think, um, Whoever plays them in the final could be in trouble. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I guess the thing, the thing that I, I just think the East is so much better than the West that I, I also might think that Colorado just might not be as good. That's just that it's it's a fair point to think of, but like they they might play against a lot of good teams, but let's be honest, even the worst team in the metro. I think is the devils right now. They still have like a halfway decent roster, you know? And then there's the red wings and the senators. And those are two pretty pitiful teams, but I mean, 
again, still they have good pieces and can get you, but you're, you're, you look at the West and one of the top teams is Edmonton. Yeah. It feels like they win all their games, like six to five. You've got, I mean, you've got Arizona, which you've got Seattle, Arizona and Seattle are barely NHL teams, especially after the deadline. I, I just, I don't know, man. The, the East is much better than the West, and that's why I'm a little more confident in an Eastern Conference, excuse me, team winning. But yeah. this could also be one of those years where I think whichever team makes it out of the first round to face, like, say if, actually, no, let me start that over. If Florida, if their game goes to six or seven games, I could see Florida having a really tough out in uh, the second round. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to face the Panthers, but at the same, because I mean, let's be honest, Bobrovsky's been a Canes killer. You know, it feels like half their roster is made up of guys who at one point or another were Kane's killers. Um, you've got the Gustav Forsling revenge tour. Oh, like man. Eight different teams that and, passed uh, him E2, up. Luosterinen. Yeah, I'm not really worried about him. <laughs> but, I mean, you've got a young relatively inexperienced team when the playoffs are concerned. Now, I mean, adding Claude Giroux helps, but he hasn't yeah, won anything. Yeah, it helps for sure. He hasn't won a cup. So, who knows? I just think the East is going to be... Whoever's going to come out of the East is going to have earned it twice over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Does um, Does Toronto worry you at all? Against the Canes, I, yes. I, I, I feel, yeah, because I feel that Toronto has just kind of become a team that, just because of their past, which, mind you, you know, they've earned their rep, but their, their, their kind of whole aura is that they, they aren't getting through the first round. But here's my If thing. they make it out of the well, first yeah, here's round, my thing. they're going to they have do? parades. Yeah, you know, what, what if they do? Like, I feel like if they do make it out of the first round and finally get over that hump, they could be a very dangerous team. I think it's going to depend it... on their goaltending, I think. But... Oh, yeah. I don't it's... trust Jack Campbell, Peter Mrazek, or the other guy they're calling the Messiah now. What's his name? Eric Kalgren. Kalgren, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't trust any of those goalies to be good in the playoffs, especially with Mrazek. If he was in, not in front of this Kane's defense, but, like, as we saw in years past, he was great here. Yeah. But well, I he don't think Morazic is right? able to elevate in those scenarios. He's not able to steal you games like Anderson has been. Yeah, I, I, I think Morazic is out, like, what, six weeks? So we might not even see him unless they make, you know, the second round. And I'm sure by then they'll probably have their crease sorted. Jack Campbell is very hot and cold. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't really worry me either. 
for the Canes, like teams that I'm the most concerned about in the first round are Washington because of their power play always being able to convert against the Canes. Yeah. And just and Toronto too. I don't want to face either of those teams. And I don't think we'll have to face Toronto, but you know, you never know. I just do not trust the Canes to stop taking penalties anytime soon. And I don't know, man. Oh, here's another thing about Colorado that I kind of forgot. Nassim Kadri is good for one suspension of playoffs. Good point. Dude's having a killer year, but he's a dumbass on the ice when when the games get more intense. That's a good point. So I don't know. But I mean, I feel like we should at least like talk about the last two games. I was there on Sunday. I had a great time. I got to see a Jordan Stahl hat trick in person, which I never thought would happen in my life. Yeah, you know, I missed that game and I'm kind of still in disbelief that that actually happened. <laughs> it happened. It was a real, real thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of at this point for me, it's kind of like one of those had to see it to believe it type moments. <laughs> No, it, it was real. Um, and honestly, the the game itself was absolute silliness for the first 10 minutes of it. It was like three to one, I think, after 10 minutes. And the first goal, I, I think, was it was Shea, I believe, with a shot pass to Svetch out in front and he deflects it in. The second one was Jordan Stahl's goal off of a really nice feed off of the forecheck, which Jordan Stahl's line with Nino Niederreiter and Jesper Faust might be the best forechecking line the Canes have had ever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not ever. I don't want to say ever, but in In recent recent memory. memory, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in this league as a whole, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, the Canes are always going to forecheck it, but I forget who called it this, but someone said, like, Carolina's forecheck is just getting swarmed by bees. Yeah. They're so annoying. It's great. It's a good way to put it. So, the third goal was a really nice feed from Domi, I think, to Martinuk. I think that's what it ended up being. But, like, Stahl has been great. All of his goals, it seems like, and points in general have just come from hard work. And uh, Jesper Faust is a really nice addition to the third line. I, I know we were talking a couple weeks ago about how, like, you know, when it came down to Warren Fogel or him, like, who would you choose? Um, uh, sorry, we didn't have that conversation on the podcast. I just realized that. No, no, no. But that, was a, that was a DM conversation. That was a DM conversation. But I want to bring it in here because I feel like, you know, yeah, Foss in a way has slid kind of into Fogel's role. Yeah, he kind of made us eat our words on that. Well, I mean, no, I, I was on Foss's side. I just I had a thing going on then and couldn't really engage in the conversation. Okay, okay, that's fair. I, I but like Foss to me has always been one of those players where he's always like the first to a puck battle, and even though he's a smaller guy, he's gonna find a way to win it. And his work along the boards allows for Nita Ryder to come in and support and stall to be, you know, the guy that receives the puck and kind of keeps it moving, keeps the cycle going, you know? Yeah. So I don't really know systems wise, like how to quantify that or like X's and O's it, but 
I, I just know that that line as a whole supports each other really well. And there's a reason why Brendan Moore has not touched that line. Yeah, I, I don't think you can at this point, you know, and as much as I would love to see Niederreiter get a shot in the top six, especially, you know, in the playoffs when you could really use his heaviness on the on the top line, maybe alongside Ajo and those guys, you know, how he always plays with them. Um, yeah. I just, I, I don't think you can break up that third line just because of how they've complemented each other. They're bringing out the best in each other right now. I mean, Jordan Stahl has six goals in his last four games. I know it's kind of crazy. That, that he had eight and 68 before that, you know, <laughs> like you absolutely cannot, cannot break up that trio right now. Um, and I but, think Niederreiter, even though like his, his goal scoring has been there all, all year. And I think his playmaking has kind of wavered. Um, yeah, but he's been really consistently, him, you know? Yeah. But, um, I mean, you know, he's gone a handful of games without an assist, like, at times this season and yeah I think while you can't expect it you at least think like you know for a third line player you'd like to see him have around 20 assists which I guess he's got 17 right now but the good thing about that line is they've all just been consistently good um so that's really helpful um you take a look at it stalls up to 32 points right now in 72 games like it's not great numbers but um, when you when take you consider a look, everything else that he does, it's, I mean, it's a nice addition in 2018, 19 through or 2018 through 2020. I mean, he had 28 points and granted that season, he was hurt for a good amount of that year. And then he had, um, 27 in the shortened season due to COVID. And then last season he had 38 points, which was pretty good. I think offensively, you know, Stahl has kind of transitioned into a more defensive role. So his offensive numbers have slipped. Yeah. But I mean, I think we're forgetting that like Jordan Stahl is a good, a good offensive player. He can just get extremely snake bit, but yeah, yeah. it is what it is to me. To I, me, I don't, I don't think I'm you could have reasonably it. expected that he would match what he did last year. It was just no, like no. kind of everything was going in for him last year, you know, but the regression did hit him harder than you would reasonably expect to start this year. I mean, eight goals in 68 games. I know he's not an offensive juggernaut, but like, he's not that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously he's not going to maintain what he's doing now, but at least we're seeing a little balance. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where you always hear about like score effects and how it's eventually going to level out. Like the snake bit player is never going to stay snake bit, you know? Yeah. Like prime example is Nino Niederreiter. 2019-20 season, he was not good. But then the next season, he was fantastic. And then this year, he's done really well for himself as well. So, you know, it's all just... It all just depends on... Yeah. And I think if you can consistently get about 40 points out of Niederreiter while getting 30 to 35 out of both Stahl and Faust, you're sitting pretty. Because, I mean, right now you've got 39 for Niederreiter. You've got 32 for Jordan Stahl and 30 for Jesper Faust. That's a yeah. pretty good third line. Yeah, as far as the third line goes, that's 
Especially yeah, considering really Stall and Fast really don't get much PK or power play time. Yeah, literally next to nothing. Yeah, like they'll get the last like face off if there's like you know a handful of seconds left. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I like about the Hurricanes is how balanced they are. I'd like to see that second line be a little better because right now, you know, you're looking at Trocek, Natchez, and I guess is Teravinen on that line right now? He, he was last night. So Teravinen's got 59 points and is just consistently great, both on the power play and at even strength, even if people think he's invisible. Yeah. Trocek is the one player who can be very hit or miss for me. Uh, let's take a look at penalty minutes on the team. You've got, uh, not surprisingly, your top three are Ian Cole, Andrei Svechnikov, and Vincent Trocek. Ian Cole is probably the least surprising thing I've heard all week. And then there's a 20 penalty minute drop to number four, where Tony D'Angelo has 54 penalty minutes, but in 56 games. What's Cole got? 76 in 69 games. Okay. So, granted, some of Cole's have been fights, but also you think about Cole and Trocek and even Svechnikov, they have a uh, tendency to take some stupid penalties. So that's why I guess, like, bringing it back, I'm, I'm a little nervous to play a team with a really hot power play like yeah. the Capitals or the Maple Leafs. But I, I will say the Ducks game was a lot of fun. I think the Canes dominated most of that game. And it could have been a lot. The score could have been a lot higher. And we might not have seen a Jordan Stahl hat trick had it not been for John Gibson. I love John Gibson, man. I would have loved to have seen him on the Canes. I think I'm happy with Anderson and stuff. I don't think it was ever like an actual thing. You know, I think it was one of those things where somebody probably brought up like, oh, hey, Anaheim's selling. Try to get John Gibson from them. When Yeah, there are understandably. I can't think of the last time a team traded their star goalie. I'm thinking the last time was when Tampa traded Ben Bishop to LA, I want to say. And you know who who they got from that trade, now that I'm thinking about it? Eric Chernak, who's like a halfway decent, like top four defenseman. Yeah, you know, I actually can't think of another instance. Yeah, at least not that since I've been alive. Well, I mean, okay, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury was traded, but... yeah. there was a whole yeah (laughs) and i'm not sure it applies there was alan walsh's uh sword through the back tweet yeah which was that's got to be an all-time hockey twitter moment you know yeah um and then there was chicago trading him but i don't count that because he was only there for that year yeah and it was very clear that chicago like was going to trade him if they were sellers at the deadline at the beginning of the season, which is hilarious to think about now, like, yeah. he was very clearly going to be a seller. <laughs> you know, Matt Murray could have fit that bill too, if he didn't completely stink in Ottawa. I mean, he was kind of bad in Pittsburgh too. And then they had Tristan Jari coming up. 
Yeah, but he got the two cups, you know, and there was the hype there. So yeah, I guess that's true. But I, I can't think of a team trading like a goalie of Gibson's caliber. Yeah, I don't consider yeah, Murray to be Gibson. What about Darcy caliber. Kemper? Maybe would you put him on that level? Ooh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's a fun thing. One. Is though you can't really talk about Arizona and think franchise yeah, goalie because yeah, there's see, so much mm. wrong with that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can accept that. And the thing is, that trade for Tampa, trading their star goalie, I think Vasilevsky's been all right since then. Yeah, he's not too bad. Yeah. yeah, I think he's okay. They might have something in that guy. Yeah, just might, just might. Um, what do you think of Domi? Do you, do you think Domi is going to stick around in his fourth line role? Or have you, and have you seen enough to maybe consider Warrant moving him up into the top six, especially closer to playoff time when, you know, when his game can be a little more effective? I think no matter where you put him, whether it's the first, second, or fourth line, obviously we're not touching the third like we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. If, if you know what I'm saying, like, Domi's the type of player that can fit into a lot of those roles because he has the skill to play in your top six, but he has the grit to play down in your lineup. And I, th- I think especially when Kokaniemi comes back, the Canes are going to have a legit first line with Svetch, Aho, Jarvis, slash Teravainen. A legit second line, albeit a streaky one, with, you know... Trochik, Natchez, Jarvis slash Teravinen. They've got one of the best grinding third lines in the league. And then you've got a fourth line with Domi, Kokaniemi, and then one of Jordan Martinuk, Derek Stepan, or Steven Lawrence. And I was I was actually talking with um with somebody the other day. I was like, the Canes could ice like seven lines given the amount of organizational depth they have right now. That's not an exaggeration either. Yeah. It really I mean, isn't. Look at the Chicago Wolves roster and you've got Stefan Nason, who most of these guys would be able to fit in like a fourth line role, yeah, which is why I'm play, saying you can play on the fourth line for sure. Yeah. Which is why Jack I'm saying Drury, like, you know, Jack Drury could, could fit do. into the three C role tomorrow. You've got Ponomarov, I think, is a lot closer than people think. He's been really good in Chicago. I actually watched, before I got on here, I watched a game of his. Um, I've missed the last two Wolves games, so I watched the first of those two, and he was really good in that game, too. Three points in three games. You know, it's obviously a small sample size, but I'm looking at his overall impact. Yeah. He could fit into an NHL lineup in a year or two. You've got Noel Gundler, who I think could play, depending on the situation. Andrew Podorowski, Josh Levo, uh, CJ Smith. You've got even, hell, hell Joey Keane, Jalen Chatfield, Max Lajoie, eh, can, if needed. Jesper Selgren, yes, I think, Selgren. could play in the NHL. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, like, at least six forwards down in Chicago, if not more. And I might be forgetting some. And you've got four defensemen. 
plus yeah, two goalies mention, down there. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention, you know, the guys that aren't going to be in the lineup, like you said, you know, when Kotkaniemi comes back, you're going to have a problem where you're going to have two very good players sitting in your press box. And based off what I've seen, I don't think it should be Derek Stefan. I'm going to be dead honest. It should not be him. No, I, I, I really like Stevie and Mark Nook, but I think if I had to pick between the three, I'm putting St- Stepan in the lineup right now. Yeah, if Kokkinemi is healthy, yeah, that Doni Kokkinemi Stepan line was killer. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, can we see Rod Brindamore scratching number forty-eight when it matters most? Can't see him scratching anybody. I don't really envy his position right now. Because somebody's going to have point. somebody's going to have to sit out, and at, at this point, two somebody's because we've got fourteen forwards on the roster and uh, seven defensemen. All right, folks. Before we get any further, we're going to take a moment. Tracking the storm is a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to take a second and get a quick word from DraftKings. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, just like Frederick Anderson in net. Best of all, you can... Deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. And we're back. Did you like the little Anderson joke I threw in there? Oh, was that you? Yeah, they said we can. They said we can ad lib the parts that are in black, so I just did. Oh, okay. So Brandon, was, uh, when you're editing wow. this, include wow. that. Wow! Now, now you've given uh, Brandon a, a pretty high bar to match. And my one semester in high school of acting has paid off. Well done. Well we did done. improv once. <laughs> but I mean, this is an exciting time, man. Um, I found out yesterday I'm actually going to one of the round one games. Uh, I don't know which one yet, but it's a, it's exciting. There uh, you go. I've never been to a, I've never attended a playoff game. I'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah you've I've been, been there in the work. arena when a playoff yeah. game was happening, but I'm going to be honest, selling merch and being in the bowl is two. They're two yeah, very well, different oh, experiences. Oh, for sure. For sure. But now that I now that I don't work merch anymore, uh, it's uh, I've got a lot of free time. And uh, if anybody is wondering, like I just don't have free time anymore. That's why I'm getting married in May, and that's most of my time now. Plus, there's the whole like I'd be missing the entire first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, that's a good trade. Yeah, sounds like it. So. Alex, I talked to Brandon last week about how at the end of the season, I want to do or end of the regular season, possibly, or just the end of the season in general. I kind of want to do another rankings or not rankings, grades. Yeah. Player grades. Yeah. Way we um, did last year. Yeah. yeah. But I do want to pick your brain on certain players and what grades you'd give them now 
and what it would take to either bump up that grade or lower that grade. So we'll start with the person that I brought up last week that I've been kind of critical on for the past two weeks, and that's Martin Natchez. Where would you grade him right now? As of today, geez. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know, kind of, I don't know, maybe a C. Uh, I would probably say incomplete just because, you know, the amount of inconsistency we've seen isn't exactly what you would like or anticipate from him considering the the skill level that we know he has. Um, but it's just, there's just been, there's just been too many nights where he's just completely anonymous, I think. Um, and, you know, obviously the flashes are there. So I, I, I don't think I can rank him higher than a C right now. I, I honestly don't. I just, I can't, like, I don't know if disappointed is, is the proper word because he does have moments um, where he does look like one of the most dangerous players on the team and can really take over at any at any given point. But we just haven't seen it consistently this year, you know. And, and in, a, in a year where he's got, you know, a nice contract negotiation coming up in the summer and you would really expect a big step forward from him, it kind of just hasn't happened. Um, and I, I yeah. think he's kind of left me wanting more. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with where I'd probably give him a C. And I say, I say probably because it's so hard, man. I, You see, I look at his stat sheet and I'm like, 35 points is okay. I mean, you'd like to see more from a second line player. But then Especially you get to the skill, you know? Yeah, and but then you get to the part where if he's not producing offensively, he's not really doing anything. Yeah. And the concern that I'm having now is, He's not producing offensively, so what's he doing? And I will say he was fine in the Anaheim game. He, And I noticed he tries to do too much individually. Yeah, he does. And then when he gets to the point of, the no, of no return, he'll try and make a pass, and then all of a sudden he's turned the puck over. But I liked it. You know, he had a wraparound chance. He, he set up a few nice plays, but it's just – it's not happening consistently and there there's very clearly something going on. So I'm still at a C, but like, I would like to see more from him. Now here's, here's another player. I want to see, like, can you give Seth Jarvis's rookie season, anything other than an A? I don't think so. You know, I, I really, I, I think anything other than an A might be, you know, a bit harsh considering before this season, we were debating right here on this pod. We debated if he was even going to stick through the through the year, if he was even going to make the team. And you know, I know we all had concerns uh, concerns about how the long grinding season would kind of have a have a, have its effect on him, especially being a smaller guy um, as you know a teenager in this in this league and the challenges he faces. Like it there hasn't really been a point this year where he's really hit that wall, so to speak. It could still be coming, you know, but considering that he's gotten this far and hasn't, hasn't really fallen off as far as his play goes, I, I'm optimistic that it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, you know, he's wherever he's played in the lineup, he's produced, he's managed to have impact on games, whether he's on the first line, the fourth line, He's definitely helped out the power play. 
he's been, I, I think, about as good as you could reasonably expect. And I think that does warrant an A. Yeah. I think for a 19, I guess now 20-year-old, right? Right? Yeah. He's now 20. Like, this is a really good rookie year, and it it hasn't always been easy for him. There's been a tough adjustment, but I I think it's possible we could see him hit. I mean, he only needs one more assist to hit 20 assists, and he only needs another goal to hit 15 goals. That's a solid stat line, especially when you consider that he hasn't played in 14 of the Canes 74 games this season, whether he's been a scratch or, you know, there was that time where he was still, you know, not learning this or he was still learning the systems and not playing at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So I think it's good. The last player I want to ask you about, and this is a new addition to the team is Jesperi Kokaniemi. I'll go with a B. I I think a B because you know, maybe, let's be honest, I'm not sure the point production would be where you want, especially when you consider in the price tag. But, you know, he's, he's he does have 26 points, 11 goals. Um, for a fourth liner, which is mostly where he's played, I think that is pretty acceptable production. Um, and, you know, I think we've kind of seen enough flashes from him where, I think you can comfortably say that he has earned a, an extended look as a second line center moving into next year, because you're probably not going to get more than you're getting out of him in the fourth line role. Now, if you mm-hmm. continue with him in that role and you know, you've committed an eight year deal to him, you've committed almost $5 million a year to him on, on, on your books. So I think it's pretty fair to say that, you know, they did that with the expectation in mind that Vincent Trocek is going to move on this summer because, you know, you, you just can't pay a fourth liner that kind of money, um, especially if you want to continue to, to balance out your entire roster from top to bottom. It's just you can't manage your group like that. So I think, you know, it didn't work for him on the wing. Um, I, I will say that um, definitely didn't work for him as a winger, but since he's made the transition to center, which is obviously where he's played his entire career. I I think he's been very serviceable. I think he's had moments where he's been very good and he's had other moments where he's just been okay. Um, But all things considered, I, I would have him probably at a B. I think anything more would probably be a little too optimistic and anything less would be a bit harsh. Yeah, I think Kokaniemi gets a B from me. Um, maybe a B plus, depending on how he finishes out the year, because, I mean, we still obviously don't know if he's going to be fully healthy in the next few games. Rod Brindamore like, hinted that he might be um, back next game uh, against Detroit. But here's something funny is he only needs two more points to equal his totals in the NHL from last season and the season before combined in the regular season. So I don't know. I think this is a player you can build on. And as the season has gone on, he's gotten more and more comfortable with the team. He hasn't always had the most consistent. He hasn't had consistent line mates all season. Let's be honest. Yeah. So I think once you get him, 
into a more steady role and give him more ice time because as we've seen like when he's had more ice time he's been good so I still don't know if he's going to be trusted to be the 2c right away but he's he wouldn't be here for eight more years if the Canes didn't believe in him you know yeah he's not going to be a fourth liner for eight years you know they wouldn't have committed that term more money to him if they didn't if, probably if they didn't envision him somewhere in their top six, I would yeah. say. But, you know, even his contract, even if he only amounts to being a third-line center, let's say, I think, you know, at his contract, you can definitely manage that. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, teams don't give that type of term to fourth-liners unless you're the Islanders with Casey Sezikis. Yeah. A dude's basically got a lifetime contract with the Islanders. Um, that's really it. And actually, I'm going to segue this into a fan question that we got. I sent out a fan question request uh, like during the podcast uh, because I was like, oh, we still have to fill like 20 minutes of time afterwards after we do the uh, DraftKings reading. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, Blake Morgan asks, who will be the centers for the second and fourth line next year? And we've kind of talked about Kokinemi already, um, possibly fitting into that role. Um, do you think the Canes bring back Trocek or do you think that's kind of a... Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that door is closed. Um, I mean, I guess never say never. I, I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't put my own money on it. I'll tell you that much. Um, I just, I, I can't really see him can't really see him fitting into the budget. Um, and, you know, I, I assume at his age um, with his production and what he's done up to this point of his career, he's definitely going to want to cash in one last big payday. Don't think that team will be the Hurricanes just because, you know, the other contract situations that they have and, and, um, and they are, of course they want to, you know, the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes are very, they're what's the word I'm looking for? They they are very um it's not cautious, but I guess I can use cautious hesitant. as the word. It's, it's not really hesitant either, you know, it's just they're they have they have the long term in mind and they aren't going to you know, they aren't gonna put their long term future at risk. Um especially for a guy who is almost thirty, a guy who has quite a long injury history who a guy who plays a way that maybe doesn't translate the best, especially as he enters, you know, his, his early mid thirties, you know, you gotta, you gotta project where will Vincent Trocek be in five years with, you know, three years that say, I don't know, six, 7 million left on his deal. What, what kind of player is he going to be by then? And for me, the projection just doesn't, doesn't look too good. It's definitely not something I'd be confident in. And, um, you know, especially with the other contract situations they have coming up on the horizon. I just, I, I don't think it's something that they will, that they will really strongly consider. And I would not expect Trocek to kind of take a team friendly deal just because he doesn't, for one, he doesn't need to, and, you know, he's earned his payday. So I, I, I think he's going to move on. Yeah. This um, is his last chance to really cash out, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think Jack Drury is making the NHL team next year. We heard, you know, back when Eric Tulski was on the second time, he was saying, you know, most other teams, Jack Drury would probably be in the NHL. 
Um, so you got to throw that in there as well. I think Drury might be a player that can start on the Canes' fourth line if they do decide to move with Kokaniemi. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably what I was going to suggest as well. I think you've got a number of players that can and probably will make a push. Drury's the guy that I think emerges at the top because right now he's the Canes' top prospect. You've got Scott Morrow more than likely. If he hasn't signed by now, I would say he's more than likely heading back to UMass. And I would have liked to see him back at UMass anyways. Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping we have an in-person dev camp this year, though. I really want to see Scott Morrow working with guys like Tim Gleason. And I guess Peter Harold is now our uh, director of defensive development. But I still want to see Tim Gleason working with him because... Both of those guys know what it takes to play in the NHL, and both of those guys were more defensive-minded players, so I think they could really help. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Those are the only fan questions we got. Or I guess that's the only fan question we got. Yeah, light week. Yeah, somebody, I mean, granted, I did give them like 15 minutes notice, but... um, Oh, actually, we did... uh, We we, we did get uh, another comment come in. He said, not not a question, but I would love to see Chattenfield as part of this team. Thought he brought the hustle. Oh, and you so let me there, know there, who that there is. There you have it. There, there you have it. No, I know he means Jalen Chatfield. <laughs> um, I think Chatfield is fine. I just think he's very interchangeable with the guys like Cole Smith. Yeah. He's different than Bear, but he's he's more in the Cole and Smith archetype. Just He's better just so much, at such skating. Such a better skater, yeah. Just so much better at skating. But at the same time, you know, there is more value in the experience that yeah, Cole and Smith definitely. bring. As much as I don't love either player, I think the third pair gets looked at pretty hard in the offseason this year. Just yeah, like a, that's I, just a thought that popped up. I think the third pair gets looked at. It's been like that for years, man. They just they just can't figure it out. <clears throat> yeah, I asked Brandon this last week. Do you think uh, Kachikov gets a start this year at the end of the year? Like kind of how we saw with Joey Keane, how he made his debut in the last game of the season when it didn't matter. I'm gonna say no. Um, but that's you know just I'll be pleasantly surprised. But I I would I'd probably lean towards no. I think with the news that the Wolves loaned LaFontaine and Sarikov to Norfolk today probably means that both players or yeah, both goalies are now just there to stay in Chicago. Yeah. Um, with LaFontaine, it's probably for the best because he gets, he's going to get the starts that he needs. Um, so he hasn't really played. And when he has played, it's been on the, either back half of a back-to-back or in one case, like the third game in a three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think he's been that great, but that's just me. Um, Sarikov as well. Like he might get more playing time, but I honestly don't really love him. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. He was a AHL contract anyways. Yeah. I think that's going to probably do it for this week. I know we were trying to keep it short, and I know Brandon's got things to do. So, uh, Alex, if you don't have anything else, I think I'll close it out. Yeah, go right ahead. Well, folks, we want to thank you for taking the time to 
sit down with us, talk some stick and puck. It's been a grind of a season. I mean, this is the first full season we've had since the 2018-19 season, which is really wild to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for what the playoffs are going to bring. I'm excited for the home stretch of games. And folks, I just keep saying it. We've we've said it since day one. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 